So, I mean, if, if I would say if the system, and it's hard to say from the outside, is about, hey, take fewer shots, then that's the wrong thing to force me to do. He needs to be taking more shots, right. way, way more shots, um, and, and trying to even out some of the uh, that, that bad shooting percentage just by taking, making more opportunities. I mean, that's how he's going to score. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's the thing that's hard to say is – is he being asked to do something different than he is in past years? Because when you watch him play, you're like, hey, he's doing the right things. He's trying real hard. It's not like he's coasting or he looks lost for the most part. I mean, no more than any other predator, to be honest. Yeah, that's true. Because uh, everyone has their turn of looking lost. Uh, I just think he, he needs to, to um, get back into what made him really good last year, which is taking the shots when they come up and uh, doing it frequently. Being a little bit of Arvidsson. Yeah. He's working really, really hard, and he has been hitting a lot of posts. I think at this point, especially having uh, had lower bowl seats on Tuesday for the Avalanche game, he is so far in his own head. Like, yeah. just all the missed shots. Like, he came to the bench one time looking like he was about to start crying. Right. Because he had missed another shot. So, like I said, at this point, and I think he was even taken off the power play in the Arizona game. Yeah. No, you're right. Well, that well, that was the weird... What they Didn't they put Austin Watson on the power play? They did a lot of weird things in the power play. Yeah, that was, that was kind of a strange situation. Never, never on good hockey boy, Austin Watson. <laughs> Yeah, so plays give you power play, power play minutes, penalty kill minutes, and uh, penalty box minutes as well. Austin Watson, he's so great. When he goes to Tim Hortons, he knows exactly what to get for you. He doesn't even need to ask. He knows. <laughs> Which is what he gets you. A, he gets a sour glazed sour cream and a double double, and that's it. That's all you need. Oh, okay. The perfect amount. You may want more, but he got you the perfect amount. Swelling <laughs> all freaks. No. And welcome back to the show that is finally ready and prepared for the second half of podcasting season. Uh, you guys getting caught up on your podcasts from the holidays? No. I've <laughs> what like, podcasts? All the other podcasts out there. I've got about three weeks of stuff that I have not listened to yet. Yeah? I I literally listen to zero podcasts. <laughs> not even this one? Uh, well, this, does that count? This one? Does that count? Uh, I guess it I listen does. to segments. Okay. Like, did I really say something that stupid? I'll go back and be like, yeah, I did say that. I definitely did say that. <laughs> well, you're listening to the Predcast, brought to you by onthefortech.com. I'm Alex. I'm here with Link and Maria. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. I'm well, a little, I'm, I'm good, but a little bit sleepy. Yeah? A little bit sleepy. Um, yeah. It has been a few weeks since we've had a, we've had a show. It, uh, we had a lot of holidays from since we last uh, met, and there's been a lot of games played, but um, I trust everyone had a safe and happy holiday season. Yeah. I have all my limbs. That's good. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm doing doing pretty good as far as that's concerned. Uh, uh, Tottenham, I'm trusting, is uh, making you. Oh feel, yeah, second, good about the second rest place. Of the yeah. yeah, I like being in second place coming out of the weekend. So Liverpool is right behind them. Uh, actually, I think they have the same number of points. But, uh, goal differential. Yeah, yeah. Goal yeah. Differential. Spurs have uh, four more goals than yeah. than Liverpool. So though, I think did they Liverpool drew drew today, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. what we were hoping for. I, it was like they scored pretty early on a uh, penalty. Yeah, um, no, we were actually I was actually at a friend's house and we were we were actually watching the end of the game. So yeah, I definitely did see that. We were just so sitting there watching. Basically, there was about sixty minutes where it was basically just you know it was at Old Trafford and Manchester United is just basically trying to score for sixty mm-hmm. minutes. That's tough to hold off, and they eventually scored. So, but also a special, special shout out to um, our friend Dan Bradley, who is an Evertonian. Yes. Uh, and oh man, Everton of course puts up four goals on mighty mighty Man City, a beatdown. Uh, which again is 
hugely popular amongst the Spurs fans. Yeah. Uh, we do love to see City fail. That's fantastic. So we were really excited about Everton pulling that off. Yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't see any of the highlights. Was it like uh, I, I, no, I honestly, or? I didn't get to watch any of that. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I caught half of the uh, Liverpool-Man U game. But I, mean, I, I was up at 5.30 a.m. to go to the Spurs game on, and they on played, Saturday. Who'd they play? West Brom. Oh, okay. It was sort of the redemption game from last season where they lost 5-1 to West Brom or something ridiculous Golly. like that. I, I've try, I'm trying to black it out in my head. <laughs> Speaking of American football. What? What's what that? that? <laughs> yeah, my Atlanta Falcons won a playoff game yesterday. That was a good game. Yeah, it was great. Let's we'll see how many more 36-pointers they can put up. Yeah, yeah right. Um, Matt Ryan is uh, all of a sudden good in the playoffs. Yeah. Matt what do you Ryan. have to shoot from the football field to get 36 points? Uh, 25 miles. Wow. 25 miles away. That's cool. Yep. Wow. It's pretty hard to do. It's, <laughs> it's a tough game. But, you know. I'm learning all the time. I'm learning all the rules to football. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, there's been a lot going on. Uh, we have a ton of stuff to talk about, so we're going to kind of jump into it. The Predators have played 16 games since the last time that we did a show. Uh, Dan did the Christmas show. Um, if you may, have, you may have caught some of that. So uh, the last time we all met, um, it's been about 16 games. In that time, the Predators have gone 8, 5, and 3, which, you know, on the – on paper, it doesn't look great, but when you consider where the team was, that's not too bad. So they were, they got 19 points in uh, 16 games, uh, which is sadly better than they were doing. Um, but uh, now that they've they've actually strung together a couple uh, performances, uh, but oddly enough, it's with a very different kind of lineup and a very different, well, not very different, but a different approach than than they have for most of the season. In case you're just waking up. The Predators have been coursing their way to losses for a solid two months in the season uh, and just really disappointing people despite playing well. And then all of a sudden they are playing a little bit different and uh, actually winning a few games here and there. So um, it's been pretty fun to watch. Uh, just what are your just general impressions of the last month of the Predator season right now? It's been difficult to watch in the sense that, um, and it's true at 16 games, it's also true for the last 10 games that the Predators are scoring, they're, they're getting about 60% of the available points over this, this span, the past 16 games, and the past 10 games as well. If you're using either metric, it's about the same. So it's a little bit better than a coin flip about if you're going to see the Predators completely find a way to screw up everything or everything go wrong or if they're going to put up six goals on Tampa. You just never know. Mm-hmm. And so it could be a really exciting night or it could be really boring because they seem to be either exciting or boring right now. Right. Yeah, when I hear those numbers and my impression over the past, you know, month or so, it's like it's not as quite as bad as it seems. You know, said we went eight, five, and three. That's a lot better than I would have, you know, said off the top of my head. The number of injuries is less bad than I thought it was. So yeah. everything is like we could put up six goals a night. I think if, if, when you think about it, and the way I think about it, I, I think about it as eight and eight, just because that, those three overtime losses are just so, especially the way they usually happen and the fact that they happen so often makes them feel so much worse than, than getting a point out of that. So if you think about it as basically a 500 team, maybe a slightly better, uh, it, it seems a little bit more typical, but like you said, 60% of the points they get, that's not a terrible rate. It's, I mean, it, 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 it says, hey, these guys are a playoff wild card team. Yeah. Because, I mean, 60, if you're winning 60%, if you're getting 6% of the available points or getting 6% of the wins in, in the season... I say, I'm going to stick with the points, probably not the wins. Right. Um, I mean, that's going to put you in the bubble. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. 
Yeah, and the, their Great. Corsi numbers expect to go forward. They're ranking about about 13, 13th in the league, so yeah. you know that playoff bubble spot. They, they've essentially been setting the cut line of of where what it takes to make the playoffs in the Western Conference right now. They, if you look at the the actual sort of predicted cut line of what you're going to have to be above in order to make the playoffs, the Predators are right there on top of it, just sort of dancing that line. Yeah, uh, yeah. and they've been there all season. Yeah, and, and I really think with with as kind of broadly shaky and unimpressive as the Central Division has been this year, if they hit a hot streak, they could easily maybe they could maybe they might be able to steal away like the third slot or something if if they're hot and, and they can take advantage of some Central Division games. But they could also go the other way very easily. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm kind of giving a, uh, hey, they could go away to the top, way to the bottom, where they could stay where they are. I mean, it, it's really hard to tell. Those with are this the team. possibilities. It's really, <laughs> yeah, it's like the full gamut. But with this team and where they're sitting in the standings and what Mario was saying, or and what you were saying about them kind of like defining that, they, I mean, they could just do anything. It's just going to come down to players staying healthy and systems and maybe a little bit of luck um, that they haven't been getting in in big chunk of the year. Right. Um, speaking of health, so that has been the biggest theme of since, um, what was it, December 16th when Subban uh, officially went on IR. Um, you know, the last month of the season has been crazy in terms of injuries. So there's, there's been, not only are there a lot of official injuries, but there's been a lot of like, you know, players having to leave and go to the locker room and come back. Arvidsson's done that like three times. Um randomly Philip Forsberg will get injured and then you have to sit out a shift and then come back. And, and then there's the big ones that there's, there's Subban being on IR with an upper body injury. Everyone is assuming that it's a neck injury. There's James Neal on IR who actually just came back. Uh, but you never know with that upper body injury as well. You've got Colin Wilson who is, I guess, day to day with a lower body injury. And then Roman Yossi, the most recent sort of tragic one where uh, in, in the Boston Bruins game, which I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, goes out with uh, probably a head injury, um, given his history, and uh, we just don't know how long he's going to be out. Um, Victor Ar- in that time also, Victor Arvidsson did go, you know, was sort of day to day upper body injury. I don't know, was it a rib or something? He sort of yes, just he got, got che- crushed. Yeah, he got uh, checked into the boards, I believe. Yeah. So you know, and Arvidsson's the guy that that I like. No, we we need Subban, we need Josie, we need Neil. When Arvidsson came out of the lineup. The team was very different. You could just tell it, he drove. He drives so much of the offense. The team was very different. They they had no one that was that sort of forechecking forward that was going to cause absolute havoc in the in the offensive zone. And the team definitely needs him back. So he's back for now. But what is going on with these injuries? I mean, uh, how do we? How does the team cope with this? I, I mean, I, I would actually. I would say. Over the past few games, I, I think they've been coping pretty well. Uh, you know, they, they've struggled against the stronger teams uh, and, and tended to be more on the side of losing, except you know Tampa, where they just kind of blew them out of the water. Uh, but other than, other than that, I mean, when they're when they're playing the teams they, sh- they would normally be beating, I expect them to beat, and they're struggling a little bit. The games are a little tighter than you'd want to see. They're still getting the wins. Uh, and that's with a very deplete, like a depleted forward core. You know, not if you don't have a guy like Arvidsson for a couple games, not having Neil, you're losing a lot of those shoot first guys. And with some of your other guys getting buried in the lineup, so like Smith being the big example, yeah. where he's just getting drop, 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 drop down. Where he, can, where he, in my opinion, he can take fewer and fewer chances because he's even putting in roles where he's playing defense, like he's with checking lines. Right. I mean, that's just how is he going to generate offense that way? So there's just fewer options. The, the Preds are getting those you know, two, one decisions or they're getting the three, two decisions. Yeah. yeah. Not to put too much of a positive spin on it, but we are be able to see 
sort of the organizational depth that Nashville has. Milwaukee has been a very good team for the past few years, yeah. and Boyle has been drafting very well, particularly on defense. The Admirals are the best ally <laughs> that the Predators have right now. I mean, they have been they have been huge in terms of calling up guys like Oberg and and of course Arvidsson and Soros and uh, but even just getting filler guys like Zolnerchuk and um, I'm blanking. Uh, to several other guys that have been, been able to, to come up. I mean, they brought up Alex Carrier. He didn't play, but I, I think we're all anticipating he will make his debut pretty soon, especially if Yossi's out for a little bit longer. Um, but the, yeah, you're absolutely right. The uh, They are going to have to rely consistently on their AHL team to provide great prepared forwards and defense and, uh, you know, the arguably the best goalie on this team right now, UC Soros. So, um Let's talk about UC Soros. Let's oh, go can ahead. we? Let's, let's dive into that. Can we? Let's dive into that. Let's talk about UC Soros. I like that. So he has played eight games uh, in his in his uh, career. I'm sorry, in his uh, season this year, and is uh, just otherworldly numbers. Um, I think what did he put up like a 935 save percentage in, in the Milwaukee last year, something like that, like a 935, 940. Uh, last year in Milwaukee. He was, it was a 9-2. 9-2, okay. Yeah, it was a 9-2 with a 2.24 GAA. That was in 38 games. Okay, that's in 38 games. I think this year he had even better than that. No, this year in the 13s played is a 9-3-8. That's, that's what I'm thinking of. So he does that, and then, you know, everyone is kind of expecting that he's going to have a little bit of a bump in the NHL, still play well, but maybe a little bit of a bump. He has had the opposite. He has been stellar in all of his games, I mean, what what can you say about this guy? You know, I, I actually had a great conversation with uh, with a friend of mine this weekend about it. Um, you know, a smart ho- a smart hockey fan. You know, there's 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 few smart hockey fans, so I like to hang out with them because <laughs> I learn something sometimes. Because um, I just like you know, I love to talk about Soros. He's my favorite. Yeah, he's my favorite. Why wouldn't you? Um, and the thing that I keep looking at, like he, you know, he's at nine five seven right now through those eight games. Okay, you can't expect him to stay at that level. You can't expect it. But if he, you know, hits numbers that he, you know, if he is is really like a nine three goaltender or anything like that, if he, if he if he stays in that area between nine two and and higher, I mean that's that's a that's a franchise making goaltender. If he's a nine three, that's an elite goaltender. Oh, if, that's it, Carey Price, Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah, I, it, it, that's I, yeah, it's a generational type talent. Yeah. Um, it, but I, it's just so hard to say. Eight games is not nearly enough, and, and the collection of AHL games is not nearly enough. The biggest conclusion you can draw is, uh, I think there's two things you can draw. One, he, he's got a history of winning everywhere. Even on bad teams, he still wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're talking about Soros. Yeah, yeah he, still, he, still makes, he still can bring victory. I mean, he's, he helped the Finnish teams, like the World Junior teams, make it way further in tournaments than they ever deserved to go. Um, he can carry teams on his back, which is really impressive. Um, Especially because he's so small. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, but and that's the other thing is like he's in, he is I, I think in pretty much every way better a better goaltender than Pekarene in every way. It, it I, certainly it, looks that Pekka way. Pekka is sort of he you know you can say Pekka or maybe Ben Bishop are the pinnacle of you want a guy who who knows the position and is massive. Uh-huh. Well, Soros knows the position, makes great decisions is always in the right spot and has the the glove hand, the stick, to back up what he's doing. He uses all of his tools. Yeah, he's yeah. got all the right pieces and he's a fantastic decision maker, whereas Rene, I think, 
given how often he comes out to play the puck and the mistakes he makes, he doesn't make great decisions consistently, and he finds himself out of position more than you'd want to see. Yeah. The, the, the bigger issue here, or the bigger picture, I guess, is what has happened with the apparently the perspective that the Predators organization has on goaltending. Look, earlier in the year, I don't think anyone would have thought that they would just start splitting starts, but that apparently seems to be what they're doing. It started with, several weeks ago, the Rangers game. VZ returning, whatever, that, that whole mess. Oh, I forget. Yeah, I forgot that even happened. <laughs> so... That was, as you remember, Saturday night start, 7 p.m., marquee matchup. Soros starts that game. Wasn't a back-to-back. They didn't have a game the next night. They didn't play four games that week. That, to me, was a big step because that said, look, Rene is rested. Well, rested enough. Soros is good, too. We're going with Soros because we think we, he's going to give us a chance to win. And by the way, he did. He played great in that game. They lost 2-1 to one in overtime. He held them to, shootout. to one goal. I'm sorry, 2-1 two, two to one shootout, right? Uh, I mean... That was a big step, and that really set a precedent. They started doing that. It, I mean, obviously, he also played back-to-backs because that makes sense. But he starts playing, you know, uh, against against the Bruins on Thursday night. Bruins come to town, and Sor- UC Soros is starting. That's a Pecorine start every other year. I mean, for the last seven years, that's a Pecorine start. I mean, the, the team philosophy, every starts a Pecorine start, right. unless unless he played the previous night or he's literally dying somewhere. <laughs> Right. Yeah, he's, he's literally on the sur- the surgery table getting the hip repaired. Yeah. Yeah, the fact that Soros and not Rooney started a Saturday night home game is just incredible. Yeah. I mean, that it really makes it. And so, it, you know, I, I made the comment or I, I wrote about this a, a few weeks ago. Um, at the time, I think the Predators had 46 remaining games in the year. I said that I wanted to see Soros start 20 of those. Maybe that was a little bit high, but I don't know. It, it could happen. I mean, they I, w- I would think that he could get to 15 of those of the remaining 46 games. So right now there's, what, 40 games left. Couldn't, couldn't you see him playing 15 of those games? Well, but the thing is, and here's what I think, if, if he plays, let's say he plays five more games, he, you know, if there's another next 15 games, he plays five of them. Uh-huh. And he keeps playing and getting numbers similar to what he's been getting. At what point do you say, we have this goaltender who every time we start him is putting up absurd numbers, and our other goaltender is doing his normal. Who knows what's going to happen that night? He's yeah. either going to be brilliant, or he's going to let in a weird goal, or, or you know something. And you say, okay, well, this guy is is he's at the peak, and and Rene is sort of you know flubbing around at, at this for, at base camp. You know who you, who do you and who do you keep playing? Do you keep going for the guy who's who's at base camp, but because you pay him and he's your franchise guy, right? Or do you you you? Pay the, you play the guy who's going to get you wins. Right. I mean, the point is to make it to the playoffs. And then, and then who knows what happens in a playoff series. Yeah, but you play the better goaltender, and if he keeps demonstrating, I mean, eight games is enough to judge is the problem. It's so few games. Yeah, not to bring back any painful memories of the Preds, what is the 2014, no, 2015 Stanley Cup run. Um, Crawford started that series, let up three goals, oh, and then Darling, Darling took over until the Preds chased him. Soros is a better goalie than Scott Darling, though. Oh, yes. Yes, he is. Yeah. Darling is another one of those just big goaltenders. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I, I was just actually just thinking about that recently, how annoying that was. Thank you for reminding everyone of Scott Darling. Why, I have why, PTSD why? of his save on Ryan Ellis every day. Well, I, don't, I still, it, it, it's so tragic how I think the worst memories Predators fans have all as just are all, even after years of just despising the Detroit Red Wings, yeah. at the end of the day, it's Chicago that confounds the Predators fan. 
It's it's the weirdest thing. You're absolutely right. It's like it's like this weird sort of uh, all the most haunting moments. This like pyramid. This strange events happen around. It's like the the Bermuda Triangle or something. Like well, weird like things happen. Like a shorthanded goal to win the game in 2010. Yeah, no, it's like the Blackhawks are bad <laughs> until they beat the Predators in the playoffs, and then they go on to win the cup. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the so, road to the Stanley Cup runs through Nashville. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I think, uh, but here's here's what's weird about the Predators, Predators as an organization. This is not this is not news to anybody, but they are very willing to sit or bench or healthy scratch or trade forwards and defensemen that they don't like and don't aren't performing well. But they are so unwilling to, regardless of salary. But they're so unwilling to do that for goaltending and particularly for Pecorine. Well, I you saw we had two years of. Uh, the Carter Hutton experiments and everyone, yeah. I mean, even now in St. Louis, everyone, everyone oh, thinks yeah. that Hutton is like just this glorious angel. And think he's a fantastic guy. I mean, yeah. he's so well-spoken. He's so descriptive. He's so, he's so in the ball. He's just not like NHL caliber talent. Yeah. And, and, and every, and, you know, that's what the person's like, that's fine. We don't care. Cause we're going to play Pecorine, you know, until his bones turn into jelly and, and he is actually like becomes Lutfisk. Um, and yes, I know it's Swedish, but I'm going for the whole Nordic thing. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I, I was following you. I think it makes um, sense. Well, I'm just, I'm, I, someone, someone I know listening to this would be like, no, that's Swedish. That's, that's like Swedish, Nordic, that's Scandinavian. That's not, I get it. I know. Also, Ludvist looks like something you'd like, but actually it's terrible. I don't think it looks like something you'd like at all. <laughs> well, maybe just like in, in theory. I it's mean, like, it's, you like, know, it's sort of it's like, you know, you know, it's a fun place. Like some people like Zen gardens or rivers. I like to just watch the places they process like cartilage and tendons into glue. Ah, oh. <laughs> I guess what I mean, like it's part of this culture that like you should try and want to be a part of. And then you're like, oh, this is terrible. You don't agree. I, I well, blood sausage. Same thing. I've eaten. I like blood sausage, though. But OK, so but you could see why. I mean, it's, it has a particular taste. It's not. Anyway, it's, yeah, it's a little coppery sometimes. <laughs> So, all right, so the Predators are really unwilling to apparently just, and I'm not saying they need to, to trade or cut Rene necessarily. Oh, I, I think man, he they has, could trade that contract. I, yeah, I mean, they obviously won't do that, but no, they won't. They, I think he has a, a place on this team, just not nearly the, the level to which the organization thinks that he, he has. Um, and if you're going to start, you know, if you, if you look, if you are being honest with yourself, the best best goaltender to give you a chance to win every night is UC Soros right now. So um, we're gonna we're gonna get in a little bit more uh, discussion of the uh, particular games of, of that have happened recently, particularly this last week. Um, but uh, I want to kind of take a step back and look at the the team overall as as where they stand right now. They are they're top ten in the league in goal scoring. Um, I'm sorry. They were top 10 in the league in goal scoring. They are now 16th. So they've taken a little bit of a step back, but the defense has gotten a little bit better. They are now 10th in the league in, in, in defense, and I think that's definitely because of goaltending. Yeah, it's, it's not too surprising that you're, you drop down the uh, goal scoring rankings when most of your leading shooters are either out or underperforming. Right. So I looked, looking at the last 10 games and all the goals they've scored, I just looked. At, I just pulled out not just the total number, but I'd rather said, hey, who's scoring them? So, I mean, you had obviously Forsberg waking up and scoring six in the last... 12 i think is that it? sounds right and then i mean there's a three-way tie for second after that mm-hmm. three goals apiece and that list because i i would never watson sissons fisher are <laughs> your next leading goal scorers over the last 10 over, games? The, over the last i think 10 to 12 games yeah. um that 
as as great as it is, and maybe Fisher wouldn't be considering this, but Sissons and uh, Watson probably. That, those aren't the guys you want to see leading, you know, mm-hmm. second place for as far as getting goals scored. Yeah. But when you have Neal and you have Arvison, you, you know, and, and, and Smith all either injured or not performing well, at least you've got some of that depth scoring. But you're going to see yourself tumble down those lists. And, you know, it's a series of, you know, barely, barely squeaking out the wins, the two ones, the three twos. Well, when you take out players like Roman Yossi and P.K. Subban, who sort of drive the way our offense runs, obviously it's not going to function the way it has. Yeah, it, um, James Neal is the best example of that in terms of offense. Um, uh, so, I, you know, I wish there was a way to quantify, like, meaningful goals. Mm, I guess there yeah. is kind of. Well, we should ask, we should ask um, if, if there's something weird in Eldritch we need to figure out there, we should ask Stu because he knows things. He knows, like Colin Wilson does stuff. You can't quantify what Colin Wilson does, but he does things. And now for the part of the show where we trash Stu Grimson. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I, I, it is getting worse. Instead of getting better, like I, I thought just, experience made people like improve. Someone's getting worse. <laughs> someone on the comments said something about, uh, you know, I think Stu's kind of growing on me. And I was like, uh, what is the uh, syndrome? Stockholm syndrome. No, oh. you do not give in. I watched the Boston broadcast of the game on a couple nights ago. And like I thought it was okay, which shows you the, yeah. the level my standards have exactly. dropped to. The Jack are, Edwards cast. Yeah, I thought oh, it was man. fine. You are the frog in the pot of boiling water that is now approaching a rolling boil and not realizing you're about to die. Exactly. So that it's get yeah, it is getting <laughs> definitely getting bad, and we're not realizing it. And Willie, I think, is just like just in just blinders. Like, please just get me through this. He, I mean, Will, Will, Willie's a pro. I mean, I you know some people get on him because he's not Pete Weber. Yeah, but Willie is. A competent player, play. and he's improving with with more and more practice. He I, is I can't really complain about Willie. He just has he has Stu Grimson next to him. <laughs> yeah, put exactly. Put he's uh, a living speaking pocket square next to him. Put Chris, Chris put Chris Mason next to him, uh, and see what happens. And I think you I think you'd have a pretty good broadcast. Yeah, I I, uh, I, I still have my dream of of um, and I forget his last name. Aaron um, from the Admirals. Aaron, what's his last name? Oh, Aaron Sims. Yes. Aaron Sims and like, you know, Chris Mason or bring back, uh, uh, bring back Carter Hutton just for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I like. Aaron Sims is an incredible broadcaster. He's a fantastic, he's a, can he's we, a beyond spectacular play to play guy. Just give him someone who can do color real well. Can we build a broadcast team of former backup goaltenders for the Preds? Oh, former back. Uh, the problem is, is you, it's it's hard to find a play by play backup former backup goaltender. I'm sure there's someone. That's I mean, most play by play guys Ellis. are like dead. No, <laughs> he's he he has been he was running out of town completely. Uh, most play by play guys Magnus are Helper. like career. Like they they have been play by play for so long. I mean, to do play by play at the NHL level, you have to be oh, so experienced. Yeah. Uh, that's why no matter what, I'm always going to to defend Willie Donick because. To even be passable at the NHL yeah. level, you have to be spectacular at other other roles to even get a to even get the job. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm always always going to defend him a little bit, um, yeah. for sure. So now that we've covered that, um, you know, this team is still a top ten team in terms of shot attempt differential. So the coursing thing we've talked about, they're they're fifty one point one percent at five five on five. Um, Such coursey. Wow. Most of that is because they are. <laughs> Most of that is because they are uh, better at generating them than uh, than stopping them recently. Now that's it, kind of goes up and down. But you know, a top ten team in that regard is not bad. Um, here's a stat that I think says a lot about the Preds right now. They lead the league, and this is this is nothing new. 
They lead the league in high dan- high danger chances allowed, allowed at eight point oh eight per sixty, but they are twenty eighth in generating them. <laughs> so they are first in the league at stopping them and last in the league basically at generating them. So my my new one of my new habits is after a Predators game the next day after I've kind of regained my 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 sanity, I like to look at the shot placement charts yep. and and I know it's a terrible idea because it's the same thing every time. It's other teams driving the slot against the Predators, and the Predators never taking shots in the slot against other teams. I mean, it's, it's just this like weird candy cane shape, but they'll take shots yeah. from anywhere but the slot, and you wonder why they struggle to score sometimes. I mean, I think maybe it's that whole, hey, let's pass the puck. Who wants to pass the puck? You want to pass the puck? Well, I think it's, it's all passing the puck, but it's also shooting from outside. Yeah, just spitballing here. I haven't looked at the shots like that, but how much does that have to do with the system of the defenseman carrying the puck up the ice and passing it across, maybe to the other wing? So a lot of the shots, so um, I think the most stressing thing is a lot of the shots come from above the circle, so where the defensive defenseman is trying to activate from. Um, so I think you get, kind of get two things there where, okay, if that's where your shot's going to come from, you need a guy like what Austin Watson has been doing mm-hmm. to clean up in front of the net really effectively. I have, I, I've been, I have, I have such remorse now over the fact that Hornquist is is gone. Um, I think with the way the team plays right now, Hornquist would be generating more goals than James Neal. He would for be the team. Letting, um, I mean, he's already statistically one of the top full performing forwards the last couple seasons. I mean, he can't skate, but everything he else does, everything he does is is otherwise fantastic. Um, so I, I think for the way the team plays, they've got too many James Neal style players at this point. Maybe not his talent of scoring ability, but that sort of take, just take the shot type, type of sniper. Mm-hmm. Uh, or then just passing the puck along the boards and then passing it back to the defense and back to the boards. And eventually someone just takes a shot because yeah, no, a else? great example of that. And that actually wound up in a chance against was Colton Sissons tried to pass the puck back to, I'm not sure who was at the point, but I think it was one of the third pairing and obviously I think it was Matt Deshane or, or oh, like and, stole and the puck no and just went there. the other yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, wish yeah. I I wish I could turn my computer on and show you this 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 shot chart um for the Predators, but it's like it um <laughs> they just don't get in front of the net. I mean, it, literally the the area in the slot is the darkest blue this chart allows. Yeah, the, are you where are you looking at? Are you um at? hockey viz. Yeah, so hockey viz in case you don't know is is a great site for looking at that kind of stuff. They have a new a new visualization where it shows kind of a much like um war on ice had for a while, uh which is obviously defunct. The sad sad face for war on ice. Corsica, Corsica will never be war on ice. No, it will never be. No, that's absolutely true. Um but HockeyViz does a pretty good job, and uh, it does show you kind of relative to the league where where the Predators get their shots, and there is a big old blue dot right in front of the net. Blue is means they're below average. Big old blue dot right in the middle, right in front of the uh, opponent goal, um, and that's kind of what we're talking about. You know what's funny is go back and watch if you can stomach it. Go back and watch some three on three that the Predators have in overtime, and what do they try to do? They try to go to the front of the net in three on three. Most teams just cycle around at the top of the circle and wait for a good opportunity, and then they usually win because they don't give up goals the other way. The Predators, for some reason, in 3-on-3, I realized this the other day, they flip the script. As opposed to in in 5-on-5 when they should be going to the front of the net, they do it in 3-on-3 where they pinch down so far and then get stopped on a goalie, and then it's a 3-on-0. the times the Predators get the zone cleanly in three on three, and then I just watch them skate in circles on the perimeter of the offensive zone, and they just do it, and they pass and pass, and eventually it's a turnover. 
And I just, you spent 15 to 20 seconds skating, just skating around in a big loop with everybody. No one doing anything with the puck but passing yeah. it. There's only three other guys in the ice. I, there, there's so much space. How? How? <laughs> I can't do it. Um, this team's trying to break me. They're doing it. Some more tea. <laughs> During that OT loss against New Jersey, the only people who took any shots on the Preds was Fiala. I think he hit the post and Forsberg. And Forsberg had the best chance, I think, right? He, he, I think he got around the defenseman and nearly, maybe I'm thinking of a different game. I think I'm thinking of New York. More things about the team overall. So uh, they are, they're still not shooting quite what you'd expect. So, so that does bode well that they should get better. They're, they're shooting 7.6% as a team at five on five or at even strength, which is 22nd in the league. That's going to go up. So that's, that's, that's good. Um, they are now 10th in the league at uh, even strength save, save percentage. And you can guarantee that Soros has a lot to do with that because in eight games, he has helped improve that number. And Rene has played better recently. Uh, the power play has not been good. The penalty kill, a little bit better, but not that good. So special teams is just not not really doing well. The good thing is, you know, special teams doesn't account for that much time in the in the game. So it doesn't count for a significant amount of time that Phil Housey spends coaching the team. <laughs> yeah. There's there's a lot there's a lot this of is discussion. his third or fourth year of him coaching the special teams and they're Well, last year they ended up in a better position, but I think it's because they got a lot of chances. They drew a lot of penalties. But so, so just just to give an idea, power play is really hard to judge in terms of rankings. You know, when when Fox Sports throws up, well, the Predators have the 11th ranked power play. It's really based on not much at all. It's based on like the number of chances divided by the number of shots or, or the number of goals or whatever. It's really not a very good method. The best way to look at it is really just look at how many shots are you generating on the power play. And right now, the Predators are generating the 21st most shots on the power play because they run their power play not unlike they run their overtime yeah how, exactly. how long can you cycle the puck before you either someone takes a desperate shot or they turn it over yeah um i'm surprised they're not better at the penalty kill because that is kind of what they, they do a better job at suppressing shots but um i think they also don't get a lot of chances it's hard to have a good pk without victor arvidsson though that's true now, a couple things about the special teams specifically the, the pk probably has a lot to do with goaltending yeah, and with all the high danger shots, and that's one of Pekka's obvious weaknesses. Yeah. Although the penalty kill against the, on the Flyers game, where they just let Wayne Simmons hang out in front of Yusei Saros, was pretty <laughs> bad. As far as the power play goes, their strategy is bad, but their personnel also has been constantly shuffled this yep. year. Um, I think Harry Zolnerchuk was on the was on the power play yeah. in the last well, game against Colorado. Pontus Oberg has been on there. They put Austin Watson on the power play. Yeah, Cody McLeod was on the power play. <laughs> so. There's just a whole lot of personnel shuffling. Obviously, a really bad strategy. Sitting Mike, Mike Ribeiro helps a lot because he taking him out takes away a lot of the just endless cycling, mm-hmm. if, especially if you put Forsberg there on the wall. But like I said, it's just a lot of personnel. Don't put Forsberg on the wall. <laughs> right now, the best thing. Thanks. Thanks for laughing at that. I did not deserve I, any of that. I thought it was funny. The team's best power play player right now is Mike Fisher, who, what does Mike Fisher do? Oh, he right. generally goes to the front of the net, and he usually gets shots off. But, you know, what do I know? So A lot. You know a lot of things, don't, Alex. Don't, don't be that, hard on yourself. I don't know that many You're things. wonderful. <laughs> so that's just some, some general rundown of, of the team. You know, the, your, your shot generation leaders on the team are still the same. You got Johansson. You got Arvidsson. You got Forsberg. You, we have good offensive players. And uh, they're, like I said, the, the, shot, the shot percentage is going to go up. You know, the, the team still will get 
two to three goals a night, sometimes four, sometimes even more than that. Um, you just want to see that the other end of the ice, the defense and the goaltending continues to stay, d- continues to not be bad. <laughs> that if that can continue, that this team should be a better team and make a playoff rush, playoff run. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think they'll make the playoffs, but I don't know. They got to they gotta do better than 60% uh, wins in uh, the playoffs. Right, exactly. Um, so let's, uh, let's do this. Let's talk about, there was a recent trade. Did you guys catch that? No, it, it, I think it slipped right past me. So th- obviously there's been a lot of trade talks, and uh, those trade talks have featured mostly the Colorado Avalanche, People have been asking about Matt Duchesne. And then what do the Predators do? They trade with the Avalanche, but they get Cody McLeod, who is um, sort of, he's only he's only been with the Avalanche, right? I think yeah, they, they so he's him, only right? played with, I don't know if they, I think they might have been drafted. No, he was undrafted. He's undrafted. I want to say he was undrafted and signed by the <laughs> by the Avalanche. Sort of a long time, you know, bottom six player who's just kind of a, you know, Typically an enforcer, but he also, I think he put up several goals a few years ago. and He had one season where he scored like 15 goals out of nowhere yeah. and has never ever come close to that, really come close to that again. Right. Um, I mean, his career high is 20 points, and that was the year he scored 15 goals. <laughs> so that's his, that was his career high by like nine points or something. So the Predators trade uh, Felix Gerrard, um, who was a draft pick from this past season or 2015? 2013. 2013. Yeah, he was 22 years old, so he's okay. been around for a while. All right. Uh, trade him. Uh, he was, you know, probably buried a little bit down on the forward prospect list. I would imagine he was. Um, I mean, if he if he made he, he was never really going to make the Predators because he was a grinding fighter type guy, uh-huh. um, and he was deep on the he was deep on the depth chart in uh in Milwaukee, so right. he wasn't really. So yeah, it's a, it's a like for a like type trade, right? Uh, and so they trade, they trade, uh, Felix Gerard for Cody McLeod, who comes over to the Predators and then the next day plays against the Avalanche, scores a goal, gets in a fight with Jerome McGinley. Uh, it's been a pretty crazy, pretty crazy, uh, 48 hours. Um, but what does this really mean? Uh, what, what did you take out of this trade? I mean, when you saw this, what was your thought? I, when, when it first popped up, uh, it was weird because one, I mean, Cody McLeod's being scratched by the Avalanche right now or prior to the trade. Mm-hmm. So they didn't want to play him, and they're terrible. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is a guy who uh, is, you know, a, a born and raised Colorado, Colorado Avalanche guy. And I mean, the, as we said, it's the only team he's played for. Uh, you know, he went under uh, Wah. He actually picked up the assistant captaincy and had that for two years. But then under the new coach, whose name I always forget, um, he got, he's lost the A. He's Jared getting scratched. Bednar? Be- Bednar? Bednar yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he kind of lost as being scratched. Uh, so he's, he was definitely for a very long time seen as a, uh, a personality for the team. Very popular with the fans as a lot of the, the charismatic enforcers can be, uh, you know, he's always like, you know, you lay it out hundred percent for the team every night, even if that means do, do whatever he does since he doesn't really add anything, um, per se. So, I mean, all of that is just, like, he's a pretty minor change. Pretty minor trade. He's he's an upgrade over Cody Bass in terms of I don't know his performance. Oh God, yeah. Um, it's not a huge upgrade, but he's an upgrade. He's he's a better hockey player than Cody Bass. Yeah. So that's if you're going to have a guy who's going to be playing six minutes a night, 
at least those six minutes are going to be better than Cody Bass's six minutes. Do you think Cody McLeod will plow into Philip Forsberg while he's skating up the ice with the puck? No, I don't think he will. I don't think he will. <laughs> That's an upgrade uh, right there. Yeah, and so so from that, if you're going to play a guy like that, you might as well get the best version of that sort right. of enforcer that you can get. Right. And Cody McLeod's a definite upgrade of everything the Predators have. I don't think it gives the team anything they don't already have because there's plenty of guys who have shown they will drop the gloves in fights. Yeah. Austin Watson being one of them, and he's a much better player than than pretty much any enforcer you could pick up. Uh, but what this really says to me is an organizational perspective. And uh, something I want to do, and maybe it's something I can, I can have ready for next week, uh, is I just, it was in my head, how many times do the Predators find themselves in struggles and go out and find an enforcer, either <laughs> off the waiver wire or through trade or just random free agency signing? You know, they just bring in fighters yeah. when they feel like they're struggling they they try to increase the toughness I, in every study like hockey stats people have studied this things like hits and fighting ad nauseum trying to figure out what the value is and yeah. they've learned that hits is a terrible statistic it doesn't really tell you anything and teams that fight more tend to get injured more so they're not really a deterrent from players getting injured so it is, it is one of those good old hockey boy type moves, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and really all you can say, yeah, he's, it's a veteran leadership presence because he was, a, he was definitely a veteran leader in the, for the Avalanche. And so if you're trying to bring in a locker room guy, I think that's really odd. Um, I, I feel like you have a network of, of captains and assistant captains and guys who are very experienced and, and you, sh- that should be fine. That should work. Uh, I, I don't, and then they had all the stuff, like all, all the quotes being like, you know, he plays the game the right way. I didn't know that playing badly was the right way. I should be a pro. Right. I can play hockey badly. I'm trying to think of, there was another guy, that, um, Brian McGratton, that's who I'm thinking of. Like, yeah. yeah. There, then there's, there's, uh, there's other guys before him. Yeah. Um, Rich Clune. Yeah. And they're all, a lot of them are like really genuinely like fantastic, likable people. And they're very, and they have that sort of charismatic enforcer role in personality, but they don't add a lot. And it's so strange. I mean, how do you reconcile, like, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, the the percept the sorry the the um, the strategy that this team has with Laviolette of being this sort of like high octane um, shot generating team, and then saying like, well, the thing we really need to do is get someone who doesn't do that at all. Well, they say, well, we're we're not hitting as much as we used to, so let's get a guy who hits more, and that'll solve the problem by making us tougher and and harder to play against. But like, hits are a terrible way to judge like how your team is doing, you know? Well, it's kind of weird. As successful as they were last year and they wound up shedding all of their, what we would call dead weight and the former people who would do a lot of face bunching and then shifting Weber for Subban. Obviously they're moving in a different direction, but suddenly the team is struggling and they're like, Oh no, apparently we lost too much of that grit and toughness and good old hockey boyness. Right. Like those are the guys in the ice who would give up goals because they weren't. And I mean, guys like, like, uh, I don't know. I, I haven't. I didn't compare. Like, think to compare Eric Nyström and Cody McLeod. I don't know how that would ever have occurred to me. <laughs> but I mean, certainly even Paul Gostad's a better hockey player last year than Cody McLeod is now. That's and that's pretty crazy. To um, think. And you know, when Gostad was out there, he could win a faceoff. But after that, he was just a he skating could brick. Skate. He was just game-winning so goal in the first game seven win, though. 
Oh, I mean, you, <laughs> I'm look just at, kidding. you look at guys who have like they've been in the league for for you know 15 years and they've got you know 20 goals, and so people point to those isolated, be like, look what they can do, it's and they like, and they have what, they won three Stanley Cups because they were you know yeah. I mean, it's like time. oh yeah, you've got nine points a year. I mean, he's gonna get goals. Don't point at that being like ah, it's proof. Yeah, no, it's it's an odd pickup. Yeah, I I thought um, I don't think that it's a bad one. I mean, it's not like anyone it's, really. It's such, if it weren't for the philosophical side of it, and sorry, uh, this gets me like this just broke me when this news came out. Yeah. Uh, like my mind just just split in two, and there was nothing but just this like softly cooing baby chick that just wanted to be wrapped up and snuggled. That's all that remained. <laughs> uh, it's just it's such a non move, and it still annoys me so much. I mean, even Colorado took forty percent of the salary. I know the guy is like it, it's just such a trivial thing. Yet I know it means so much from how they're approaching the actual sport. And it just rends me to pieces. Yeah, this pickup isn't going to affect the team one way or the other. But the, but he scored a goal. Yeah, he scored a goal. It, just the philosophy behind the move is sort of what's driving us nuts. Right, right. Um, so it, maybe this is why they did it, to just like distract us from the Subban, Yossi, and, and all the injury talk. And then should they get Duchesne, like, well, let's just give them a move that's just going to mess with them for a while. That distractors from Subban and Neil going at it in practice the other day, apparently. Yeah, that was. I've, oh, got, I've got a joke that won't make it through editing, so I'm just going to share that that comment. <laughs> uh, so a very strange trade, but yeah, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that um, no one would have expected it, but no one's really, you know, beating down the door asking them to reverse it or anything. So it's, it's just, it is what it is, and Cody McLeod will be sitting in the press box uh, for, you know, two games out of three in the week, and. Um, it's probably a bit of a thorn in the paw of uh, Ribeiro, and I don't mind that too much. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It's like, look who's playing. It's Cody McLeod. Yeah, right. And Ribeiro's over there with his wallet chain. And I assume, I, I can't <laughs> imagine him in a suit. I don't even want to see it. Um, <laughs> uh, also, they got Derek Grant. Who's Derek Grant? Does anyone know? Uh, he is the drummer for Alkaline Trio. Oh, that's who it is. Um, former drummer for the Suicide Machines. Okay. Um, for a couple of their first few albums. And but people don't know that. former Buffalo Sabre. Um, he has zero NHL goals, except he, he got an assist. Yeah, you know he has an angel point now. <laughs> uh, that trade made, made even less sense, but it was well, that even, was just a I'm waiver sorry, wire pickup. Pick yeah, up, I mean it was actually a nice move by him because I think he he and he it was a poke check, um, and then a pass like really tight across uh-huh. the goal to uh, uh, McLeod, who was by the net. So I mean that was actually a good. I mean it caught yeah. the, the the it caught uh, the opponent unaware. And Colorado, there we go. God, yeah. I, like I said, I'm a little tired, so so if I forget a name of something, wait, yeah. you guys couldn't tell. I forget names all the time. That's okay. Um, yeah, yeah, it was actually kind of a neat little move. They caught him totally unaware and took advantage of it. So that's fantastic. Get him a point. But again, I, I more know him for his his punk rock namesake than for his <laughs> hockey play. Right. So, I, and I don't understand exactly what b- between Jerome and Gindla and him. I guess they never did. They never like each other, or they it was a stage fight. Okay. It certainly didn't look that egregious, and they didn't look like they were angry. But it's also like, why are you doing this then? Uh, from, oh, from, from the I, Avalanche perspective, why is Jerome Ginla getting in a fight? With well, how long has Ginla been in 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 Colorado? Three like, years, three or four years, three, something like that. Yeah. So I mean, and, and McLeod's you know a real buddy buddy personality guy. So they're probably you know they probably go to each other's houses for Sunday dinner or yeah. something, and they're you know. Yeah, like oh hey ha ha ha. I mean, guys do that. Yeah, well, I didn't really watch it. I was a little bit distracted at the time due to some other uh, stuff going on at the time. But uh, someone sort of looked at it. and was like they're not even punching each other with their fists. They're doing it with like the sides of their hands. So uh, like, total stage yeah. fight. Yeah. 
So, yeah, uh, Colorado's kind of a mess, and they gave us one of their um, least least effective players and uh yeah, we, we picked up one of the worst one of the bottom three players from a bottom tier team <laughs> in order to fix the problems pretty, in nashville it's pretty nuts to think about it like that uh but like i said he'll be in the press box yeah, for most and, of the games and the predators sent them a a, a bottom tier ahl prospect so yeah. um all right so uh what we'll do is uh, i guess we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break um and then after that we're gonna discuss specifically the last three games the last week that we uh just just had these last three wins um we will uh, cover the upcoming week. We'll take some Twitter questions and maybe come up, cover some other things as well. And uh, so we'll be right back. This is uh, the Predcast. These days, you need to partner current and latest website design standards. One that also provides quality support services like hosting, email, e-commerce, CMS, and more. And you need a partner experienced in online branding and marketing, like social media, search engine marketing, rich media, and email marketing. You need a partner that knows how to market your company in today's age of advertising. You need LionZone. Their professional staff and partners have the know-how, creativity, and experience to help you reach your marketing goals. Contact them today for a free consultation at 615-353-0402. That number again is 615-353-0402. Or you can reach them on their website at www.lionzone.com. Lion Zone, Nashville's leading internet marketing agency since Welcome back. Now, uh, we've spent some time talking about where the team has been over the last month or so. Uh, let's spend some time going into the last few games specifically because, um, well, we have wins to talk about, and wins are always fun to talk about. I don't want to talk about the, uh, you know, the all those losses from, from a while back, that Kings, that 4-0 Kings lost from, like, before Christmas. That was miserable. You know what I always say? Um, losses are for losers. Yeah, I upgraded to the second uh, or the second balcony for that Kings game, and managed to sit into, inside an entire family of Kings fans. Yeah, yes, for that four nothing loss, it was uh, hell. Uh, was it okay? Because if I remember that game, it was like one nothing for a while, and then it was like three goals in the last like ten minutes or something. Yeah, the but Kings. they were just obnoxious. Oh, okay. Uh, where like how would you rank them in terms of other fans? Uh, pretty low, because just because of how much I hate other kinds of fans. Well, see, so were they? <laughs> Were they just Kings fans, or were they also from L.A.? I don't know. Good question. Because I still have this memory. We had uh, a couple people visit us, the Nashville Spurs, had a couple people visit from Los Angeles Spurs. Oh, we, we Spurs fans are such great people, but there's always a couple. And those couple just take it way too far. Mm-hmm. And the, the folks visiting from, from L.A. Spurs... Yeah, the Kings fans, uh, when I was in L.A., they were just a little bit aggressive. Okay. 
Uh, I mean, like, were they throwing things? No, just sort of their demeanor okay. was sort of aggressive. Right. And you, Preds fans are generally not that way at all. Because when I think of pre- aggressive fans, I think of Blackhawks and Blues and Sharks. Well, well, Blackhawks fans are boisterous. Boisterous and drunk, not so much I, aggressive. Yeah. Every time I've been to a Blackhawks Blue, game, there's a fight. No, Blues fans all agree. Because, well, that's, I mean, this is, that's just the drunkenness. They're not like organically that way. Um, blues fans okay. will kick your car for no reason. As I always say, that seeing that it happened to me one time. Yeah, I said a blues fan just kicked my car. Wow! I just kind of looked at him and was like, "What?" He just kicked my car and was like staring at me. I'm like, okay, hmm. Do you want to go across? Is that what you were hoping to? I'll let you go. Oh, you were in the car and he was walking. I was in the car driving down Broadway, leaving a Predators game. I see. And he just kicked my car. I thought it was like some weird, like he found out who you were and then like found your car and then like found out who I am. I don't know. Like the way you said it, it made it sound like he <laughs> came to your house and was like, "Hey, you're the Preds fan. I'm gonna kick your car." <laughs> it was like found out who I am. <laughs> who am I? So uh, yeah, let's not talk about those games and uh, all. The, we had some wins here and there, but like you know, we had the Shea Weber return. That was that was a, a fun game, but well, fun event, but then a terrible game. But most recently, the Predators took on uh, the Canucks last Tuesday, and uh, you know that preceding that, the previous four games, the Predators had been pretty badly outplayed. Um, just from their normal result. And this was kind of no different. Like the Pred- uh, Canucks were starting to kind of take over in the first period, uh, even though uh, the Predators ended up getting the first goal. Um, Austin Watson scores by going to the front of the net. Um, really kind of a pretty play where Mike Fisher was shooting, passing, whatever, doing that sort of shoot it off the back backboard. And uh, Austin Watson was right there to uh, send it by Ryan Miller. Um but from there, you know, the rest of the game, the Predators just go into this turtle shell mode where they're just hoping to hoping to eke by and maybe get into overtime. I, this game was so beyond not memorable. Um, I think, like, was this the game where both Forsberg got a goal waved off yeah. and yeah. Fisher hit the crossbar and then in overtime, Yossi got a goal waved off? It was such a typical game against the yeah, Vancouver yeah, Canucks. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, I, 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 what frustrated me is that this is, this is the Canucks. I mean, everyone knows they're bad. They are bad. They're literally bad in every way. And the Predators could only score one goal during regulation. Yeah. I, I mean, okay, maybe Miller like rediscovered his Buffalo days for uh, 60 minutes. Right. I mean, he has done that. He has. He's been maybe still more, depressing. Yeah, yeah, it is depressing. But it was a very typical game against the Canucks. Like obviously the Preds turtle, and then they get they take a penalty against the Vancouver Canucks, like with two minutes to go. Yeah, it, it, Brandon Suter scores it with forty nine seconds left, and I know all of you felt the same way. I mean, I I felt as soon as I saw that, you know, this is that sense of oh no, they're going to squander this lead, and the Predators are going to lose two one in overtime. Um, because that's how this goes. That's how this is, this has been going for overtime for a long time. And throughout Predland, I could just feel that that was what, that was what people thought. I, cause it's, I mean, I feel like we all understand that this team is a bad overtime team. And then all of that was really playing out exactly like you think, because they weren't playing well in overtime, not getting any really good chance, except for the, the Yossi goal that was weighed off, waved off. And then, uh, the Canucks get a power play and that's when you're thinking, well, here we go. This is the, this is the end. Right, it is. It did feel like the end. It and, did feel and, like the end. I mean, I literally turned the TV off, and I don't do that for Preds games. I've sat through every single crap overtime loss so far, but I turned the TV off when Ekholm <laughs> took that penalty. Yeah, it was that was pretty bad. So, but this this story has a good ending, ladies and gentlemen, because 
with in the dying seconds when Yossi and Yarncroak are kind of at the top. Now, that was one of the best, one of the most amazing plays from Roman Yossi because if you consider what had just happened, he had been out there for two minutes on the penalty kill and, you know, after, you know, 65 minutes of a game and he somehow manages to, you know, sort of chip the puck out and skate basically like 150 feet to the other end and then make the pass. I mean... Really amazing play from Yossi. Credit to Yarn Croak for finishing it, but that's all. That was all Roman Yossi on that play, for sure. Yeah, uh, you're right. You're right. But the the, the shot from Yarn Croak. I mean, the thing was Miller even made the play. He was there with the glove. Mm-hmm. Just was too high. Yeah. I mean, Yarn Croak got it in the exact right spot he needed to to finish it. Uh, I, just due to the role he's asked to play, I think we, we sometimes you underplay the offensive talent Yarn Croak has. Yeah, no, I think uh, and he got to actually put it on, uh, put a show on what, what he can do with a shot. Yeah, no, when he got deployed with Neil and Johansson last year, he did a very, very good job displaying his offensive skills. Mm-hmm. And it's just him being put in that role; he's just used for other things right now. I feel like Yarn Croak is just this like hockey algorithm, and every every play he makes is just what is the exact play that needs to be made right now. The, it's not that he's not creative, because he is. He can be creative at times, but he just is just this computer um, that's like, I need to do the exact thing that's that's needs to be done right now, and he usually does it well. He's he's sort of like a like a you know a, a cheaper, not as good Bergeron type player. Yeah. Um, where he does a lot of the, he makes those right plays. He goes on plays his role. He, if you were you know, a, another gear higher, he might be a bird, like much like closer to Bergeron. I was but thinking like, like a Zetterberg. I think about uh, I think that's. I think that's fair. These are a lot of guys who who don't always put up huge numbers, yeah. but do a lot of the right things. I'd compare him to Michael Froelich, who's playing for Calgary right now. Mm-hmm. He's a very good defensive player with that sort of offensive upside. Yeah, fun name to say as well. What yeah, about I love Michael Froelich. I mean, what about Andre Kopitar? Could he be that level mm, eventually? No. no, Kopitar is really good. Well, yeah, so is Bergeron. He won a Selkie. I, th- I mean, I'm not saying he's going to win Selkie. I'm saying he's that kind of player, that kind of two-way player mm. with some offensive skills. Uh, so, I, yeah, th- that play was awesome. Um, we were talking about before uh, before we recorded, started the recording. Uh, in my mind, I was hearing the Chariots of Fire soundtrack play as Yossi and Yarncroft were skating to the other end. It just seemed so dramatic. And you could just see it playing. You, you're, Everyone's just like, it's like everything slows down, and you're looking at the time. Are they going to have time? Is they going to get there? And then it's Preds overtime. There's no way this is going to happen. So, and then it did. Yeah, you know, I, I, I admit, I was so terrified that, that Yossi would pass early, and Yarncroak would have time to pass back, or something like that. Or that, like, they, they messed it up somehow, they didn't score, and somehow there's enough time for Vancouver to then come down the other end and score. I, I mean, I would have expected, like, the, the, the puck to find a divot and just pop over Yarncrow's stick, and all of a sudden he's like, oh, it would have been an open net, but there was no puck. <laughs> I, it just, you, you so were prepared for everything to go wrong, and that is the exact situation where, I mean, if 2-1-0, two on, two on oh, just where you've got to go, you should score, like, 75-80% of the time. Yeah. I mean, one on one, it's it's a little trickier because yeah. it's probably maybe you're gonna you know it could even be like thirty seventy in favor of the goaltender. Yeah, but I mean that you should just score because the goaltender has to cover two people yeah. too hard, too hard to do. Um, also in that game, uh, you know we we've, we've talked a lot about UC Soros and uh, um, Pekarene, but uh, Rene played really well in that game. He made twenty nine saves, um, no complaints from his uh, from his performance. The uh, the game tying goal. 
I, I barely remember. I think I think it went through the five hole, maybe. Um, I think Suter made a pretty good play to to kind of um, dodge a defender. But anyways, regardless, giving up one goal in a game, even if it's against the Vancouver Canucks, you got to win those games. I mean, that's just that's just the way it is. And and Rene played well enough to win. So, um, so that kind of started the week, and you're like, wow, I kind of feel kind of feel okay with uh, anything else that happens now that we dodge that bullet. Um, because if you lose to the Vancouver Canucks, who are, you know, have been playing better, but I think most people expect them to be a lottery pick team, uh, you know, that would have been pretty devastating. So then the Bruins come to town, and the Bruins played a really clean, fair, just game that's really how i saw it i saw it as as really the pinnacle for what hockey should be yeah how it should be played really gentleman gentlemanly uh nothing nothing out of the ordinary just a very normal two to one hockey game. deep sense of respect i mean uh you know like a guy like brian marchand has a history of trying to slew with people Uh uh-huh and he absolutely did not do that he only did it once he only did it once. Yeah, I, I didn't know he did it at all. <laughs> um, I thought he tried to slew for a ref, though. I did see. I did yeah. see him take down a ref. Yeah. Um, I feel like a predator was in between them, but um, I right. think he was going for the ref, obviously, because there's nothing. Nothing was ever called, and no right. one ever reviewed it. Um, and certainly, the Department of Player Safety has nothing to do with anything. No, I, 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 I think everything was fine. I everything was normal. I assume they're still out for the holidays. Uh, they are out for the holidays until they get someone real in charge. <laughs> well, ever since Shanahan left, it hasn't hot, been the same. Hot take right there. Yeah. No, you're right. So, uh, sarcasm aside, the Boston Bruins come to town and just uh, tried to kill everybody in town. Um, in, there were injury concerns early on uh, with... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was like, I was just really excited about the new dropkick Murphy's album coming out. That's all. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> first of all, Tuka Rask gets injured uh, getting hit in the neck with a puck, and that it looked pretty pretty bad apparently he's okay though is he, yeah he's back in practice he's been, he's been playing so or he's been back in practice so uh that brought in zane mcintyre is this the first zane we've had in the nhl uh it's hard to say i mean as far as i'm aware i believe but i mean it's the nhl probably been another zane but it was spelled like x-a-i-n <laughs> and he was from like Slovakia. Croatia. yeah croatia or something yeah. like that yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm, a, I'm gonna assume. I'm just gonna go ahead and throw this out there, even if it's wrong. This is the first Zane that's ever played in the NHL. So Zane McIntyre comes in, and the Predators still, uh, you know, can't really do much against them. They did, they did obviously win the game, but, um, but the worry for the Predators came when, uh, when Roman Yossi gets gets absolutely cheap shotted by someone named Anton Bleed. I don't know who this is. Bleed, 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 bleed. It's pronounced bleed, but bleed? I don't understand how. I don't know. It, it it looks vaguely European. I I don't know where he's from. I have no idea. Anyways, he sort of just comes definitely high. I think the, the actual call was interference. Yeah, it was could a have, five minute major for interference, which is odd. It, it could have been elbowing. I guess it could have been roughing. I don't. know. It could have been a lot of things. But either way, he did get called. He actually got called for it. Unlike uh, who was it? J T. Brown that other game a while back. Uh, Roman Yossi leaves and is on IR the very next day. Um, so the Predators have to dig deep and play that game without him and then Saturday's game in the foreseeable future. Um, all the scoring in this game came in the second period. Uh, first goal of the game, again, Austin Watson, front of the net again, finds a way to sneak in front, gets a shot kind of by, uh, by, well, by Zane McIntyre. And um, I don't know. I mean, 
Is Austin Watson having a resurgence? Are we are we seeing like what, I think, what he should be? I, I think this would be a, just a surgence. Oh, that's um, true. He hasn't that's surged true. before. Well, that's true. I, you know, the Predators have long lacked in the, in the past years a guy who can go in front of the net and actually has some hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I think once he can get there and he can play that role, and, and the the bounce has been going his way. Do I expect it to be some sort of like twenty goal scorer or fifteen goal scorer? No, but I, I think he's actually showing that he has the talent to be a depth scoring player. Uh, which is fantastic, um, and and kind of beyond my expectations for him coming into uh, this season. He yeah. led the Admirals in scoring it for a couple of years there, and I believe John Glennon wrote for the Preds. They put out an article either today or yesterday about his surgeons. Mm-hmm. Um, he's talking about how he, when he came back from Milwaukee, it was less about you know before he got sent down, it was all about not making mistakes and you know trying to do a good job that way. Now he's just like he doesn't care. He just wants to score and help the team. Yeah, right. That's good to see. I mean. Uh, anytime, I mean, anytime a player like that can can uh, find a niche on the team, uh, especially this team that kind of needs that, uh, is, is great to see. So the Predators uh, have a one nothing lead. Um, eventually, the Bruins tie it up. Tory Krug gets a goal. Uh, by, by the way, Bruins, you know, physical and and dirtiness aside, are a very good hockey team. They they do a great job of going to the front of the net. Um, they get goals like this. They well. <sighs> It was a it was a lucky power play goal, in my opinion. Okay. Um, not the not the shot from Krug. Krug shot, great shot, mm-hmm. gets through, scores a goal, woohoo! But Arvison clears the puck. Yeah. Just like and it just hits Krug in the yeah. in the stomach, and Krug's just in, like you can see him. He gets a hit, and it just drops in front of him. He's like, oh, and he shoots as hard as he can. You know, Arvidsson gets that puck a, like a few degrees a different direction off his stick and it's just down the ice mm-hmm. and it's not a goal and you have a very different game so it, you know the, the bounce really went in, in their favor in a very kind of odd situation you don't see a ton of, of the puck just hitting the, the defenseman in the stomach mm-hmm. um, and then him just dropping to the and scoring because you wouldn't expect like it's a unassisted power play goal right that's pretty rare what do you what do you I mean normally that'd be a rush into the zone or yeah. something not like the rebound shot or, yeah. or recovery off a clear. It was just, it was, it was what it was, but it was, you know, a little bit like, ah, it's no, it's just Arvidsson. Poor guy did everything right. So with, uh, with Krug's goal, they get, it's, it's t- tied at one. Um, then one of the, mm. one of the better goals of the season by mm-hmm. far, uh, Philip Forsberg beats, what's his name? Carlo, Brandon Carlo. Yes. Beats him to the puck and schools this rookie and uh, use. I mean, he here's here's the thing. Philip Forsberg has been doing this all season. He has been playing this kind of hockey, using his using his body, using his size, using his puck skills, shooting the puck well. It's just finally the puck is going in. But he makes a play to beat Carlo to the spot, shields him, kicks the puck to his stick, gets a shot by Zane, and uh, and it was just it was beautiful. It was really great. I mean. The Arvidsson goal is definitely the number one goal in my book in terms of this season so far, um, but that's number two I, for sure. I mean, but this what I love about the goal is that it's not even that Carlo had was was just doing something wrong, like made a mistake. I <laughs> Forsberg just looked and said, "You know what? No, I'm going to take that." I'm and gonna, he goes pushes himself through or into Carlo's ice, takes the puck, and just somehow settles it and scores. I, I everyone was so caught off guard. Right. I think on that. Yeah. It was such a uh, Philip Forsberg kind of goal. Yeah. He said, I think after the game, he was like, yeah, I knew he had been on the ice a long time. He was tired. We were both tired. And so he basically just took it and scored the goal because he decided he was going to. Yeah. It, when, when you see, Forsberg has that mode. He goes into this mode where um, 
well, he has two modes. He has one mode where he's like, I'm going to be fancy and I'm going to do all this stuff and it's going to be great. And sometimes it works. But then he has this other mode where he just, it's just like a put your head down and grind. You know what that mode's called? It's called butt check mode. That's exactly right. It's the butt check mode. And when he goes into that mode, boy, the opposing forwards and defenders better watch out because he will get the puck and he'll find a way to get a shot off. He gets sort of that Arvidsson kind of mentality in there. It, it's, it's fun to watch. And when he finally is doing it and scoring goals, because, you know, James Neal has the best shot on this team, but Forsberg is probably the better scorer in terms of how, how he can probably get to get the puck in the net. Still, it's just so much fun to watch him play. By the way, the goaltender in net for the Predators? That you will say be, Soros. That would be Soros. Uh, he had... Do we have the save numbers on that? I don't think I have that pulled up. It's quite a oh, lot. I the, literally just closed that window. 30, uh, 35. Yeah, 35 saves. That's right. Because the Preds were outshot in this one badly. Yeah, I looked at that the shot the shot counter and the shot attempts. It didn't seem as bad when I was watching it, like the eye test. It didn't seem mm-hmm. nearly as um, outmatched as like the actual shot attempts were. But if you look at the the shot location where they were coming from, I mean, he was stopping guys from dangerous. I mean, he's stopping guys like Bergeron and Bacchus and um, Pasternak and Marchand, of course, from from dangerous spots. Am I the only person who, whenever I hear a Pasternak, just thinks of pastrami? I think so. Every time. I think of spaghetti. I think so. Actually, they call, they call him they call him pasta. I so. do not think of any foods when I think of David Pasternak. Makes me, for some reason it makes me think of pastrami. Okay, um, I think uh, I don't I don't I can't think of any foods at all when I think of Pasternak. I'm really trying though. Um, but anyways, Soros plays a great game. Uh, this was uh, just another another statement win in my in my opinion of the way Soros plays and. And uh, the reason they need to play him, I mean, he's he's now got wins over some really good NHL teams. There's no question anymore that he can play in this league and play well. It, conversation over. Now it's how much can he play, and we've talked about that. So, um, Last game of the week was uh, Saturday's game. We talked a little bit about this because this is the sort of Cody McLeod game. Um, the Predators, though, were really on the verge of maybe blowing this chance because they were down 2-0. Uh, Landis Gog gets a goal off of Rene's skate. Then Francois Beauchemin gets a goal where Rene was probably out of position, it looked like to me anyways. So it's 2-0, and I don't think anyone was expecting. I, I wasn't really expecting it. I think the Predators, in my mind, were like, well, we already got two wins this week. Let's just not get injured anymore. Well, I, mean, I think c- certainly at that point when you had the, uh, the goal from McLeod, it was, and we talked about this earlier, so I won't, I won't go in, in, in depth on it again, but that goal and then the subsequent goal from Fisher, yeah. it just cleanly exploited uh, Colorado's weakest area, which is transition defense. They're just not terribly organized in defense, and, and getting back is not something they're great at. Yeah, Mike Fisher beating someone on defense back to his own yeah. breakaway is just, yeah. should never happen. They were such different goals, how they were scored, but the way they came about and the Predators got the advantage in the ice were both due to major or just, just defensive errors on the part of Colorado. Right. So that's what you, I mean, you find a team's weakness and you exploit it and the Predators kind of woke up and found a way to exploit it and carried that forward and managed to actually get a win off of the Forsberg goal sub- subsequently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, and the Forsberg goal, by the way, sort of another element of Forsberg's game, uh, his, his wrist shot. And, you know, that, that's a play where, so Ryan Johansson wins the faceoff Philip Forsberg has a great reaction to to shoot the puck right. I, mean, I don't think Varlamov even saw it. I don't think any of the Avalanche saw it. Um, Shot was ridiculous. But that's what that's what you expect from a seven million dollar center and a six million dollar forward is 
putting the team in a good position to, to score and then actually scoring. So that's what we need more of. And that's what we've started to see more of recently. So um, really a pretty nice win. I mean, it's, it's all perspective because if you think, well, the, the Predators only beat the Avalanche 3-2 to two and the Avalanche are terrible. Well, they were down 2-0 and they came back. The Predators are also playing without their top two defensemen. So exactly. they are lacking defensive depth. So you're going to have guys who are not as talented and not as ingrained in the system. That's a very good point. Um, so that wrapped that, that week. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the upcoming week. Um, so uh, I did want to touch on, we've had some people asking about this. So uh, possibly, you know, th- there's a lot of discussion out there about possible trades. Who are the Predators going to go for? Some of these are covered in the Twitter questions, which we'll get to. Um, at this point, are we thinking the Matt Duchesne thing is, is for real? What, what's, your, what's your odds that that's actually going to happen? Uh, honestly, like my current um, feeling is that if the Predators made a trade with the Avalanche, that's they're not going to go back to that well again. I think mm-hmm. if they if there was interest in a way to make it happen, you would have done something then. That's a good point. Um, so, I don't think there's any way that the Preds are going to trade for Matt Duchesne. Yeah, I, I would like him to come to our team. If he it happens, I think it'll be in free agency. Yeah. Okay, I, I, I'm I'm with you guys. I, I I think it's a very very low pro- possibility. I think it's even gotten lower over the last week or so. So, um, at this point, the tra- trades really at this point are so hard to to predict, um, especially in a world where PK Subban gets traded for Shea Weber. It's just even harder to predict. So, uh, who knows? In a, in a week, we may be talking about you know some other players, but there are certainly some interesting names out there. I mean, Martin Hansel has as a name that has come up with the Coyotes. Kevin Shattenkirk has come up with the Blues. I seriously doubt they trade him in division. Um, uh, by the way, I, I, shout out to to Dan again. Dan wants to point out <laughs> that Kevin Shattenkirk looks like Andy Kaufman. Yeah, I hear that, and I, I hear he, that. He's, he, I think, and there's there's definite there's definitely a point there. He he point. I, I saw it as well. It's it's very true. So there you go. Uh, also, guys like James Van Riemsdyk and Nazem Kadri have come up with the Leafs. I doubt the Leafs are tr- are sellers. They're probably going to be buyers. Um, then there's Shane Doan, and Shane Doan has been a recent one. Um, I don't know. I, the, el- the elbow king of the West. Is that what he's known as? Yes. That's. I, well, he, yeah. he's he's the he's the dirtiest player to never be never called a dirty player. Huh. He he could he could like walk into your house and just knock over a vase and and you could be like. Shane, why did you do that? You're like, I didn't do that. And everyone else in the room would be like, yeah, he didn't do that. <laughs> and it could be video proof of him right. doing it. And he'd be like, no. I, got, so- I, have a, I have a cocky stick covered in Skittles. You're like, oh, you're so wonderful. That would be delicious. No, he actually got one. Someone oh. gave him a candy, uh, a candy, uh, uh, hockey stick covered in Skittles. I've, I've missed out on all the Shane Doan news. Oh, I, this I, was from a few years ago. Okay. Uh, but he's, you know, he's, an, he's 40 years old. That's pretty old. We don't, predators don't necessarily need old, old forwards right now. They have enough of those. But, I mean, I could see in a world where maybe if you don't have Mike Ribeiro anymore, maybe if you decide to trade Craig Smith, Shane Doan isn't a terrible option. I mean, he could, he could come in and score, score some goals. He scored 28 goals for the Coyotes last year, and they were terrible last year. So I could see it happening, especially if they're looking for more of the veteran presence that apparently they decided they need. Yeah. It certainly wouldn't help you on a speed aspect, which I think the Predators have enough of, and Boy, that'd be quite a downgrade in speed with uh, going from Craig Smith down to Shane Doan. But yeah, I I I continue to outside of like some actual blockbuster type trades, 
um, and, and this is me being my normal boring self and saying the same thing I say every year, when it comes to trades at the deadline to prepare for the playoffs, you need to go after the guys who are going to stabilize the lower, the middle part, the core of your team, the middle part of your team. Uh, if you if you can go out and get a superstar, is he going to make a huge impact? I mean, if it's a guy like Johansson, Johansson, already starting again, Johansson, yeah, you do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes you know you you look at what you have and like uh, Predators did that with Cody McLeod, but is that really improving the team? Would they be better served going out and getting a guy who can like eat up additional penalty minutes and free up some of the guys who are currently getting you know fewer minutes, free them up to do something else? Yeah, I think talking about you know, moves to shore up the sort of the middle or the bottom part of your roster that would have been the Franzen and whatever the other guy's name was they acquired from the Leafs, and that was a mistake. Hmm. Yeah. I. It like I said, it's it's so hard to tell right now because a name will be on there, on, on the on the trade list for one day and then a week later it's off and then it and you really don't know what's what's made up and what's real i mean it's so hard to get actual like legitimate news especially in the world of twitter it's just so difficult um speaking of that let's actually jump into some twitter questions we've got some a few things more to talk about but uh i think twitter questions will be a good transition here because a lot of these are about trades um so we'll answer some of these uh this be kind of some some quick hitters here we got some good ones so we have uh, at P Friedman is asking, um, actually, you know, um, let me come back to his. At UT Big Orange 81 <laughs> asks, is Ribeiro being pushed out? Are there any plans for him? Now, for context, Ribeiro has been healthy scratched two games in a row now. Well, I, I, I think so. Only be- and I mean, pushed out, I think, is, is maybe not quite the right way to put it. But certainly... Uh, if you cast your mind back to the summer, Laviolette said, Ribeiro has to have the summer of his life. He has to come in and play really, really well. And, you know, I'll say, Ribeiro had a pretty good start to the season, all things considered. He was picking up a lot of assists like you'd expect from him. He was getting the occasional goal. But then, as he has the last few years, he just trails off. He just hits a wall. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because he just refuses. He gets too caught up in what he's trying to do or he gets frustrated uh, he clearly has some personalities in the ice. Do the number of times he gets thrown out for just mouthing off? Um, if he just loses focus, or if he just is tired, he's like his fitness. The way he's he, in this part of his life just doesn't work for the full season. You know, there's any number of factors could be doing this, but I mean, certainly, you know, he he's regressed back to where they didn't want him to be, and said that he had to recover from. So they're probably just following through on what they said would happen. I don't know if it's a conditioning or a mental thing, but obviously he's working on playing himself off of the roster. The game against the Canucks, I believe, he did something that led directly to Matias Ekholm taking that penalty. Mm. Yeah. It it doesn't look good for him in terms of his future as a Pred, but who knows, maybe he plays Tuesday and everything's back to normal. Um, maybe they Maybe they trade him to some team and... Yeah, there's a lot of options. I mean, I would think that someone like Montreal could use like a second line playmaking center. I mean, they do need a two. They do he, need a two C. He speaks French, and he yeah, right, exactly. There you go. That'd be a perfect fit. So send us, you know, Shea Weber. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that come full circle? It'd be yeah, so, so great. So who do you guys want for uh, Mike Ribeiro? Um, we'll take Shea Weber or like Max Pacioretty. You know, one of those guys. Um, yeah, right. Exactly. So, all right. So Ribeiro, 
I, I, who knows what'll happen, but it doesn't look like uh, there's much of a future. So we'll see what happens. Uh, at J underscore Stevenson says, rank your love for Soros on a scale of one to 10. Is one or 10 the highest? I'm going to assume 10 is the highest. Okay. Um, who? I mean, it's definitely the highest point of whatever scale. So like at 11. Okay. I don't, I can't quantify it. Hmm. It's like it's it's deep in my chest. It's it is a blossoming flower that never stops blossoming. Quantify it in terms of your favorite foods. Oh, oh, okay. So you're saying like what levels he has? He at like a a like fresh char siu bao or like a pizza? I mean, oh. that's what that's what I'm asking. Oh, you know. know you know what it is. You know what it is. It is a proper. Tamago sushi. Now, t- tamago, if if you don't know, is the uh, egg omelet, and it is uh, sometimes used to judge the overall quality of a sushi chef because it's one of the first skills they learn during their apprenticeship. And so, if I'm at a sushi bar, I will mm. order one t- t- tamago nigiri, and I will use that to judge them because. It, when you're in the U.S., like nine out of ten, it's frozen, and you can tell right away because mm-hmm. it doesn't look right. Um, but a well done tamago nigiri is just incredible. I love it. It's one of my favorite things in the world, and I just never get to have it. So, <laughs> Saros is that perfect? But I get to have it, and it's little, like sushi's little, just like Saros. He's our little bear. <laughs> um. So, all right, um, let's go to, oh, uh, at Boyd underscore 1212, what is your favorite moment of 2016? And I, I think what he's at, and he says Preds, hockey, and non-hockey. So I think you, favorite moment for the Preds from 2016, favorite just general hockey moment, and then favorite non-hockey moment. Uh, favorite Predators moment okay. is, uh, has to be when Forsberg ties Jason Artis' record for goals in a season. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's fantastic. That's I mean, it's such an iconic right. moment. Okay. It's interesting. A, a really iconic moment because, it, you know, it was Jason Hart who was not known for his, like, skating or he's for being lazy, but he was the best scorer the Predators have had. Sure, yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, Hornquist was never quite able to get there, but Forsberg getting there, um, I thought was really fantastic. That's a good one. It's like, you know, Predators guy. Um, and then uh, I think a common story is the 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 redemption and rise of john scott la, uh, last year that's a good one too. hockey one yeah um and then the full year like just just period uh that's hard that's a tougher one because I mean, that is that is a, a tougher one um yeah there's a lot going on there uh hmm i don't know mario why don't you yeah. have to, i can give a little bit of thought stew on that my favorite preds moment from this past year was the triple overtime winner that entire third overtime yeah. was just the most incredible game experience <clears throat> I've had. The way they reran the like the intro video with the lights and everything, then they come out and then obviously the scoring it was just the place lost its mind. It right. was really great. Yeah. For hockey, I don't really care about the John Scott narrative. It was whatever. It was entertaining, whatever. But the All Star Weekend, because I was able to participate fully with that, I had all, all the time off, and I was able to go to the fanfare every day and go to the game and the skills competition. That whole thing was just amazing to meet all the other like media and stuff. That was that was really great. Okay, I I, I was gonna go with the the triple overtime winner. Um, I 
I'll go, uh, but just to be different, I will go with the, for the Predators' best moment, uh, I'll go with the Game 7 win over the Ducks. Um, mostly because, like, it, it, for me, it was very unique. I was in Gatlinburg at the time. Um, uh, this, so it was, like, April, whatever, 27th or whatever. Um, I was in Gatlinburg watching the game on my, like, by myself in my hotel room. Like, I was at a work thing, but there were a bunch of work things going on, and I just skipped all that and went to my room and watched this game. So I was like sort of celebrating in this like hotel room and there there's a little balcony that looks over, you know, the rest of the, the the woods. I mean Gatlinburg, the mountain. And I was basically able to like go out there, just kind of cheer and celebrate and do my own thing. It was just kind of a fun moment for me. And it was obviously a really great moment winning a game seven. That was fun. Hockey favorite hockey moment has to be Phil Kessel's redemption tour, winning the cup and uh shoving it in everyone's face. I loved that. I loved that. Um I don't know with non hockey. Where'd you go with this? So I have I I have kind of two that are that are food related. Um, I may have to steal one. Yeah, you can you, you can choose the one that, whichever <laughs> one you want. So the first one, the easy one, is I went to uh, some friend a friend's house for Thanksgiving, and I had had some of their hors d'oeuvres and stuff before. I never really had their full on cooking, and I had the finest Thanksgiving meal I've had in my entire life. Easily, just I mean the gravy huh. that they made was we just wanted to put it on dessert and everything. Um, the other one, and I'm going to get a little sappy. Okay. So bear with me. Um, so, uh, the current, the person I'm dating right now, um, mm-hmm. we had our second date, which I was hiding was on my birthday. Cause I'm like, it's the only time she was available. Have the set, you know, I'm doing a second date. I'm not going to make it any deal about it. it comes up. I'll just like brush it off. Um, she knew she had knew, she remembered that my birthday was coming up and had actually made me a tiny birthday cake. Oh, that's cool. And so we sat outside the YMCA off of, uh, uh, the Five Points area in East Nashville yes. and ate a little tiny birthday cake and that was <laughs> like the coolest thing someone's that's done neat. for me in a long time. So that's a little sappy but they said both of them had, had to do with food. That's... <laughs> yeah, I don't know about, you know, the best thing that's happened this, especially, you know, for non-personal uh, reasons but I did a whole lot of traveling this past yeah. year. It was great. I went to uh, Canada twice. I went to California. I went to Vegas. Mm-hmm. Just all over the place. Um, mine is really dumb but it was still just what i can remember right now uh i got to see louis ck when he came here that was just amazing the comedian i I know oh okay your look of confusion um i'll I'll follow up with you after (laughs) okay it was fantastic he was he was just it was unbelievably good uh i usually my my wife and i usually go see at least some stand-up comedian usually maybe uh at least once a year uh through a lot of whether it's you know at TPAC or at Bridgestone, so we'll uh, we'll usually go to that. Uh, I wait. I think I know what you're going to ask. Uh, this is like also in addition to the birth of my daughter. <laughs> like, I was sitting there. I'm like Louis C.K. That's why I started laughing. I'm like, wasn't your first was child trying, born? I was this trying last to go, year. I was trying to stay away from that. I was like, oh, that's obviously it. But well, I, yeah, I but I was like, some, go for the go for the obvious because I mean. Well, and like I don't want to be the one that's just like always talking about you know. Well, I've got kids. I don't want to. Oh yeah, the, the one what the one or two times you've mentioned it total in the history of the show. Obviously, that would be the number one. This would be number two, but you know, <laughs> the number one non-daughter related that would be uh, it. Um, let's let's get one more of these in. Uh, let's see. Um, um, have the predators become involved in? some dark ancient magic that curses them to be frail and accident prone. This is coming from mm-hmm. at scion of flame. Mm-hmm. What magic mm-hmm. did they dig into that unearthed this evil well, injury? Well, if you notice God. their 
post-game celebration token went from a gold boot to a dog chain. So there's probably some sort of weird curse around those objects. Uh, they spur- they no, spurned no, the you know what? God. You know what? It's probably fairy magic because fairies cannot uh, – they, they, are, they are disabled and harmed by iron, and that chain may be made of iron. Therefore, the, adopting the chain is preventing – you know who else was come by, came about by fairy magic? UC Soros. <laughs> so – Clearly, clearly, the iron chain, as Mario was saying, is the exact problem because it is it is suppressing the fairy powers of the natural predators. Huh. That is that is interesting. And Um, and and remember, I'm not just making this up. I wrote about this last season. Okay, (laughs) I was thinking that this sounded familiar. Uh, So I don't know. I, I, I don't think that they angered. Are you suggesting that maybe they they angered the the like golden boot god of, of you're it's, saying it's, it's a philosophy thing it's the, well yeah it is a philosophy thing but the whole they they angered the totem of nashville the gold ah, chintzy boot okay okay but yeah no it's a philosophy thing okay gotcha um all right yeah, so you can, uh, you can buy one pair and get two pairs for free oh God. did you hear that i, I mean I, I went to the christmas um i was wondering to buy four and get five and for people free. from that shop were walking around you know handing out the little things as if they were coupons i'm like i live here i know you do that every day <laughs> Uh, what is it with boots? I just don't care about boots. Who cares about boots? Oh, you, I mean, talking about like all boots or just cowboy boots? Any boot. Oh, you go go. Just try on a pair of uh, properly fitted Red Wing Iron Rangers. No, no, not cowboy boots. Get a pa- just a pair of just very American white tennis shoes, please. You, Iron Rangers are are just classic high quality boots. I mean, they're a little. I mean, they're expensive, but they're going to last your life. Do you know what my work would say if I just walked in with a pair of boots on? They'd be like, "What? Have, you've lost your mind." I wear boots to work all the time. No, I'm I'm saying I'm not saying my work it's not like a problem at my work. Alex coming in wearing boots would be like, "Why are, did you hit your head?" I looked the, basically the same way every work every day. Can you work. do high tops? Like sneak like high top sneakers? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, then there might be there's some options for you. Okay. Do a Chelsea boot. <laughs> okay. They're very in right now. That will that will we'll go ahead and close the bag on uh, Twitter questions. You guys had some good ones. Uh, some of them were repeats. Uh, the earlier was there's one about Craig Smith. We kind of had already. The talked people about want that. boot boot podcast. They want boot podcast now. Bootcast. Here we go. Bootcast radio. Boot- <laughs> Uh, we had a couple things we wanted to talk about. I know uh, there was one thing, uh, Link, you wanted to mention about the All-Star game? Is that what it was? Yes. Um, or the Breakaway Challenge. Breakaway Challenge. Yeah, this is just a small thing, because I, I saw, um, probably only because Maria put in my timeline, she she brought it up, she actually brought it to my attention, uh, is that they are not having the Breakaway Challenge at the All-Star game this year. And um, Mario, I don't think you 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 kind of disagree with you disagree with that. I disagree with getting rid of it. Yes. I, I mean, what's your kind of because my my view of it when I saw that is like, you know what? I'm kind of okay with that. Like, I actually that's a good decision because it's not gone necessarily gone forever. But I felt like the last couple it was getting a little long in the tooth. People went so so goofy with it. Um, it was it was super fun, but then things like you started getting players who clearly didn't get it. And other guys who just were like screwing around—it just was getting a little bit uh, repetitive and like I said, long in the tooth. Um, so I think maybe giving it a few years off, um, let a kind of a new crop of players come in and the hat, then bring it back. Uh, I think might help. looking at it that from, 
at that perspective, you know, probably would help her be good, you know, to sort of retire it and then bring it back in a couple of years. Sort of hearing like the media punditry. I was watching Hockey Night in Canada and they were talking about it. The whole media punditry of like, oh, only nine-year-olds enjoy this thing. <laughs> Where it forced the players to be individual and be creative. You have P.K. Subban, you're dressed me as Yarma Yager. You have James Neal, you know, getting Dirk Spelling to come out there. And mm. you had um, Voracek, you know, using Johnny Gaudreau as a tiny hockey player. Those sort of things that were very, very entertaining, even mm-hmm. though most of it wound up, you know, you've got Alex Ovechkin skating on the ice three times trying to, like, hockey, hockey sack the puck. But I think uh, Greg Wyshynski made a point when he was talking about it, uh, when he wrote about it today. He said that he thinks it was the NHLPA that nixed it because they hate anything that, you know, gets them out of their comfort zone. And that whole thing, you know, obviously hmm. players have started to lose interest in it. You have the... Basically, they were being forced to, you know, be creative and individual, and they just do not want to have to put the sort of effort into something they don't care about. Hmm. Also, I wonder, do you, do you think uh, that it might partially be, um, like, an overcorrection for the John Scott kind of uh, circus that happened? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. try and, like, oh, we're going we're gonna to, tr- you know, the tournament part was actually worked really well, and so we're going to try and focus the attention around the excitement of that, opposed to the excitement as it's been for the past few years, where... No one cares about the game, but everyone's excited about the skills competition. They're trying to balance it. Yeah. It's possible. Um, just sort of following what was in Nashville, which I thought was incredible, and then the transition from Nashville to Los Angeles and the way that they want it to be done. Like, If you look at the list of like, celebrities and stuff they were performing, it's a lot better quality than Danny Goki singing in the fanfare this next this next um, All-Star game. My, my only thought about it is I, I just find it a little bit confusing that they have a, a – a penalty shot all-star all-star event and then they have this breakaway challenge all-star event which honestly i think probably to most people who just are just flipping channels and come across it they're like why are these these look the same i mean they're kind of similar i mean it's just like a guy goes and does a goofy thing and then shoots a goal uh i just think it's kind of weird that they have two of basically kind of the same things i don't necessarily hate it um it, it's fine uh, I, I don't know that i'll miss it when it's gone yeah, I'm probably not going to cry that it's not in the whole TV lineup, but yeah. sort of the attitude and getting rid of anything that, you know, brings joy to the <laughs> to the event. No fun. Uh, well, I mean, I see I, I see both your points. Um, I, I also would not have, uh, probably would not have noticed if it was gone from the lineup. I don't understand why other things are there. I don't understand why they have the speed skate, the fastest skater thing. Connor McDavid's going to win it. Hard shot is fun. That's just, that's always going to be, that's fun. Will it be less fun now that Chay Weber's out in Nashville? Oh, it'll be just as fun. Because now we're rooting against him. Are we? I am, yeah. I don't want him to get 108. No. Oh, none of them can shoot as hard as the uh, KHL defenseman anyway, so who cares? <laughs> really? Oh, well, uh, just they, the, the, the K, every time the NHL does it, the KHL comes like, well, our guys shot it like 30 100, miles per hour faster. 130. But yeah. they're measuring it like a complete different way, and it's just... Mm. Converting it to rubles and it's a no, mess. yeah. I mean, I, not really rooting against him, but you, I mean, to be honest, I, I'm kind of gonna be like, yeah, I'd like him to not be as as uh, good as he was, just for that event, not in not in hockey. I want him to be good in hockey, but just for that event, that's it. That's all I'm saying. Um, we've got a few, just a few other things to talk about. Um, the 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 week ahead, and then we're gonna like where where this team is, where it's going. Uh, three games this week, all in uh, all in Canada. All, all in Western Canada. So we've got Tuesday at, at Vancouver, uh, Thursday at the Flames, and then Friday at Oilers. So back to back Thursday and Friday. 
And then I think next Sunday they are in. I didn't put that one down. They are in Minnesota. Minnesota for next Sunday. Yep. So that'll be an L. Just kidding. They'll win. Uh, wrapping in the schedule for this week with sort of overall, I, I think Mar, you wanted to kind of talk about what, where, where are these things? Where where's this team going? What's what's the what's the What's the route for success? What should we expect from this roster? I mean, we still don't know how long P.K. Subba's going to be out. Yossi's out indefinitely. He's pro- he probably has a concussion. So what should we expect the Predators to accomplish? So yeah, over the course of this next week, I mean, they're going against Vancouver. They should win that. They should win one of the back-to-back in Alberta. But what more should we expect out of them? So I think... I think about like what we saw from this past week. I think I think this team is going to have to show some resolve um, amid, you know, kind of trying times. I, they're not; they don't have their lineup like they want it to. Uh, they're going to have to go into a place like Calgary and, and Edmonton and get a win where maybe one isn't there on paper. Um, they're not going to be able to do it, you know, getting goals from Cody McLeod. They're going to have to do it getting goals from Ryan Johansson and and Craig Smith and Forsberg. But I, I still, I have pretty, I have, a, I have expectations of, uh, of being a, a better team the second half, regardless of who's on the ice. I think this coaching staff is good enough to make it, make it work regardless of who's there. I think it's going to make a big difference when PK Subban is back, which may be, inev- may be imminent. Um, but if you get one of those two back, if, if Yossi's out, but Subban can be back, you know, I think you're, you're looking at a, a team that can can put some wins together. I, I think with the time being, they need to keep clicking along at like that sixty percent point pickup. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they, I was just checking the seats. Last ten, you're at five, three, and two. So that's not great. I, they need to improve it. They need to just keep doing that because if they can steadily be five, three, and two, or you know, almost even a little, but those with those modus points, they're going to be able to stay right where they need to be, or or solidly take over that wild card spot. If they can improve on that. They can do all sorts of things because they're not that far behind. I mean, Calgary is in the top wild card spot; is only two points ahead. St. Louis also only two points ahead. Yeah. <clears throat> Granted, I think, I think Chicago Predators, Minnesota twelve points ahead. I think the Predators have like two or three games in hand on on Calgary as well. Uh, they do have three games in hand, so they're in, they're in pretty decent position. Uh, I mean, when the when players start coming back, this is where it gets tricky because this team wasn't doing great when they were here. So you mean in playing like, at home, we, or do you mean with just, a full lineup? Just the full lineup. Oh, gotcha. Um, yeah, taking the most optimistic perspective on this, that when they start getting Subban back, P- um, Yossi back, and all the other missing forwards, they can you know somehow get that chemistry that they never managed to develop during the first part of the season. Like they could skyrocket through the standings. I don't mm-hmm. think they can catch Minnesota and Chicago just simply because of the points that aren't there anymore. Yeah, it's kind of a. a Two two way race at the top from between Minnesota and Chicago, and I'm gonna be so bummed if if I mean I didn't have either of those teams up that high. I didn't either. Um, I had Minnesota missing the playoffs. Oh well. Um, <laughs> but I mean, if Minnesota finishes, I mean I think, they've got a plus forty five goal differential. I think that's crazy. <laughs> they've scored 135 goals and given up 90. That's insane. I mean, they they are the only team better that and uh, not giving goals is Washington. But and don't Washington you feel has like scored fewer don't you feel goals. like they're a major injury away from from maybe like. That missing link, or that 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 link, kind of breaking. I, Eric Stahl is going to remember that he's not good anymore and is going to collapse. But that's not going to certainly happen. if they had any if they lost Dubnik at all, that would be devastating. But I think they remember they, when the Predators picked up Dubnik for nothing. Even if, 
even if they lost like uh even if like Matt Dumba started not playing well. I mean he's been playing great. But even if he started stopped playing well, even if you know um in any one of their forwards that have just all of a sudden learned how to score Jason Zucker, uh any one of those players stops playing well, it could fall apart. But who knows? I'm already getting annoyed. I'm getting I'm, I'm getting re annoyed by the Dubnik thing. Oh, <laughs> I get so mad about Dubnik oh, every it's day. Like, it's like everything said like every piece of his history said that he is a quality goaltender, not maybe not as good as he, he as he turned out to be, but certainly that he was a quality goaltender, and he like had a bad stretch because the Predators were bad, and they're like, nope, you're gone. Well, he was bad in Edmonton, and he came to Nashville, and he wouldn't listen to Mitch Corn apparently, and then he got traded to he he was playing in St. John's, and then just not resigned by them. Yeah, so. Um Back to your point, Mario. I think um, what, you know, what we expect from this team, um, this team for a long time in this season, for, for, for dozens of games, was playing like we expected and not getting results. And now they may not play like we expect, but they may get results because, of, because they have to. Um, certain players have been playing kind of the same way all season. I would say that Johansson and Forsberg are two examples. There. They've been playing great all season and are just now starting to roll in those points. Um, Ryan Ellis has been playing great. Um, I think Ryan Ellis has been a big key to the second half. He's been huge. Um, Ekholm is up and down, and, and then all the other defense defensemen, the, the the sort of replacement player level, Yannick Weber, <clears throat> the revelation of Matt Irwin. Matt being... Irwin. Yeah, exactly. We we, you know, we didn't talk about that. He gets himself an extension. Uh, those guys are going to just do what they do. Uh, you just hope that they don't screw things up too bad. Uh, but I don't know. It, if this team becomes a different t- style team, but is able to produce, hey, if it works. Guys, the Predators' way is back. It's back. Is Trot somewhere in the building that we don't we can't see him? Is he like hiding behind the Lexus Lexus Lounge, like directing traffic? I was organizing my old Im- Imager folder, um, and I had this this meme in there from the Barry Trotz years. Um, <laughs> You you know the Family Guy meme um, from when Lois was running for politics and she was like doing like yeah turning yeah. to be like nine and everyone like cries <laughs> like and then say eleven I had one it was just it said Barry and there's a gap and like said trots and everyone's cheering <laughs> uh, and I found that I'm like yeah I remember what those days were like when yeah. even when he was coaching the team and, and like saying the worst things like things that didn't make any sense and the team was horrible like everyone would just be like no it's Barry Trotz you don't yeah. you don't you don't like go after Barry Trotz it's like well <laughs> I just saw that and brought back such memories. Well, um, I guess we'll see how this week goes. Um, the Predators play, um, you know, the the last time they had a road trip, it did not go well. Hopefully this one does. It's going to be some hockey. Yeah. You're going to watch some hockey. going to watch some hockey. Uh, in the meantime, we'll be back uh, next week. Um, you've been listening to the, for- the, 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 the forecast. Is that what you're listening to? The weather forecast. <laughs> listening to Boot Talk Radio. Brought to you by Forecast Net. Wait, what? <laughs> Six percent chance of rain and uh, slight chance of boots. Hundred percent, two hundred percent chance of boots. <laughs> uh, Buy one, get three hundred pairs free. You are listening to the Predcast. Uh, I am Alex Alex at Alex Darty One. You can follow me on Twitter. He is Chris Link. You can follow him at Three D Link. She is Mari. You can follow her at underscore Maria underscore K. Or you can follow the show slash website at On the Forecheck. So uh, that is that. Um, in the meantime, we'll see you next time. Uh, We appreciate you listening as usual, and uh, goodbye, everyone.
way up or down in 